I'm real pantsable. Give me a wedgie. Hello, and welcome to Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast where Matt and I talk about things that we like and sometimes things that we don't like. Like witches. I mean, Andy, are you a witch, this, this podcast? Who's to say? It's hard to tell, really. Are you... Are you being some sort of a character in a game? Well, what kind of game would I be a character in, Matt? Some sort of Middle Earth-based game? <laughs> Middle Earth-based game? Something with a gnome and an elf and a have troll ever... and, a, and a dagger or something? Have you ever talked to somebody about a, like, Lord of the Rings or a Game of Thrones-style property where uh, maybe you're talking about, like, a historical inaccuracy? You're like, oh... You know, in Game of Thrones is clearly modeled after the Middle Ages, and it's weird to me that they have this style of book where that wasn't a book they had in the Middle Ages. Wait, are you saying that's a thing that you have said to people or other people have said to you? Because I can point out a major flaw. This exact conversation may or may not have happened between me where I was talking about Game of Thrones, and I was like, specifically in Game of Thrones, there was one scene where they had this book, and it was like, just a real crappy book. Like, it was like, really badly made. And I was like, they were pretty good at making books in the Middle Ages, like way better than we are now. And my one friend... Well, they don't have... I don't know if you know this, but they don't even have dragons in real life. Well, that was, that's my my one friend turned to me and just goes, uh, this isn't Earth, it's a fictional world. And I'm like, come on. It's a fictional world that like incidentally happens to share all of the tropes and cloves and other cultural signifiers of like feudal Europe. And mm-hmm. we can't complain about the fact the books don't match. I mean, a little bit. You know, there's dragons there. Wait, are dragons real? Are they? I call Andy. Just you know, I call all these things dragon movies: Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. Uh, Can you if name another a magic movie? <laughs> Can you name one more? Uh, World of Warcraft things. Uh, anything related to uh, what's the other guy that writes those books that are exactly the same as these that I can't think of? Oh gosh, you know, dragon movies, or like every like couple of years they come out with a straight up dragon movie, like an Aragon, or I don't know. Like, actually about a dragon. These are all dragon movies. Do you put Harry Potter in the same category? Yes, dragon movie. Interesting. That's I what think... I was trying to think. I was trying to think of Harry Potter. It's dragon movie. <laughs> I think people are going to fight you on that one, because that one takes place in contemporary yeah. times, more or less. Yeah. Also, if you write dragon books, you have to have two initials or three initials to start. <laughs> That's how you get going. It's got to be J.R.R. or George R.R. Or, or J.K. Uh, J.K. Yeah. A lot of J's now that you mention it. Yeah, that's how you write. That this is a formula for dragon movies or dragon This is books. our conspiracy podcast where we talk about the fact that George R R J R R J K Rolling Tolkien Martin is actually mm-hmm. one person. Yes, I don't think they're actually one person, but I do. One think... person. Oh, okay. Well, it's maybe you can write your own dragon. We're book. flat. We're flat dragoners. That's what we call ourselves. Mm-hmm. Anti draggers. You can be A N D Mangold. You can write a dragon book. Mm. Well, Matt, I don't want to talk about a dragon movie. You want to talk about a dragon game? I do want to talk about a dragon game. <laughs> do, you, do you know <laughs> that I wanted to talk to you tonight about Dungeons and Dragons? I was pretty sure you did. I could have, I could have guessed that was coming. Yeah, why could you have guessed it was coming, Matt? Because we spent a weekend playing a dungeon game, a we dragon did. game. We played some Dungeons and Dragons games, which is something I've done before, and it was your first time. I've never played adventuring before. into a dungeon. And I pick, I picked a pretty great character who fits perfectly into this dragon movie scheme. I think. Uh, so yeah, I think I did a good job. Why don't you tell the people about your character? Come on, I know you're dying to. <laughs> I, so my character's name was Colonel Harlan Zanders, <laughs> uh, who is a... You, re- you really got to enunciate that Zanders. Zanders. Yeah, Zanders. Who's, 
who's a uh, who used to be a chicken man. And in fact, he used to be an army man. He got off the battlefield into the chicken game, and then eventually got out of the chicken game into the drug game. Every once in a while, he starts to sound a little bit like Foghorn Leghorn, the chicken lawyer. So maybe he got, to. maybe he went to that's law his school. Only, his only the only thing he does is sound like Foghorn Leghorn. He uh, he starts all sentences with. I say, I say. I don't and, think uh, Foghorn Leghorn is actually canonically a lawyer now that I think about it. I think I'm confusing Foghorn Leghorn with the chicken lawyer from Futurama. Okay, yeah. See, I wasn't, I wasn't really following, but I was just going to let you have that one. I sure. don't know. I do not know what Foghorn Leghorn's occupation is. So earlier uh, when I was talking about the incontinuity errors of uh, Game of Thrones and the way they portray books, you were like, I'm going to let that Foghorn Leghorn thing slide. Yeah, because I don't know. Well, just I don't know the answer to that. Maybe he is a lawyer. Who knows? I don't know what his backstory is. Seems to me a lot like a chicken, but could be a lawyer. Maybe chickens can be lawyers. I don't know. But anyway, I say, I say. And then also, <laughs> I do declare. You did, in fact, He's, declare many things and say I declare many a lot things. of things. And I say, I say, and I says to him, I says. These are, um, these are how you start all sentences if you're Colonel Sanders. It's true. It's great. Also, he, I, I slip up sometimes. I say Colonel Sanders. It's not Colonel Sanders. It's Colonel Xanders. Very he, important. He deals, uh, he deals in the drug game. And uh, you want to know a special move? Uh, do I? He has a special... What do I call it? Do I call it an ability? Uh, you have an item, I believe, is what you had specifically. Okay, so I had a special item, which was his 11 secret herbs and spices, yeah. which uh, was actually drugs. Yep, it was drugs, and it, it stunned the opponent if they didn't succeed on a constitution saving throw. Yeah. What do you? What's that? What's that drug called in real life that like uh, people blow into tourists' face and stun them? Uh, never heard of this one. Like a the dust? devil's something. The devil's something. I got no. I mean, chloroform is the only thing I can think of that like quote unquote stuns people as, as far as like drugs go. Mm, can't think of it. We'll come back to it anyway. It's not. It wasn't chloroform, but the colonel thing might as well have been chloroform, except you blow it at dragons. Yeah. Well, it turns out it doesn't really affect dragons. But well, yeah, it turns out the you devil can blow toad, it at them. Turns out the devil toad did in fact succeed on its constitution saving throw. So the dramatic use of the eleven herbs and spices didn't quite go as planned. I but waited you know like that? I waited a solid like six hours to use it. I was really disappointed <laughs> did. that didn't. You, the self control. The self control. You really kept it in the chamber, and I appreciate that because you know sometimes people that are new at Dungeons and Dragons they go into the first fight and they're like, I'm burning a level three spell slot. I'm using my item. They just want to do everything immediately. So you except had, for that time, I argued with the dungeon master about its effects because. I didn't realize it to declare before the game what it does. You can't just make it up on the spot and make it the like, most powerful item in the game. You were like, yeah, now my herbs and spices are going to gain control of this inanimate object. It's going to turn this wall into a person and it's going to attack for us. Look, I didn't know the rules yet. I'm learning. You're learning. It was explained to me. Day explained it to me very well. Yeah, Day is the world's greatest dungeon master. Mm-hmm. So, Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. I, what is your experience? I mean, obviously, I know you hadn't played until this weekend, but like, what did you think of Dungeons and Dragons before this? What did you know about it? Like, what was your perceptions of this game? Because I got to say, I think D&D is having a little bit of a renaissance, is my mm-hmm. theory. But I want to know kind of where you, where you come from personally. What's your history with this? Uh, I don't think, I really think I knew almost nothing about it. Like, I understand that it is a game for nerds. That I get. I know that there's... Uh, I know that it takes place in a dragon movie. I know that much. <laughs> I di- I didn't know that there was like a grid. Like I didn't know you could like uh, there was the idea of sp- spatial anything. You know that was new to me. I thought you just like said words and uh, I I didn't really understand that there was like a structure. I don't. I didn't understand how there weren't like required pieces or a board or. Yeah. Like it seems like the things that we had to go with it were not requirements. It seems like you can just yes. play it by talking, essentially. We had all kinds of equipment because I 
I guess you you and your nerdy friends have Dungeons and Dragons equipment, but my understanding is that is not a requirement. Yeah, and to be clear, the equipment we had was basically just a, a big sheet of like craft paper that they had drawn some marker landscapes on. Some playgroups do, in fact, go all the way to like buying terrain and like building their own maps and stuff. Uh, we don't do that. We just got a map, you know. With but you a, also with had like paper. You had every. You also have like from your magic stuff all the like things that could be characters and tokens and whatever. So, oh, you mean just dice? We have a lot of dice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all kinds of dice. That's true. But you, I assume people like buy characters and make characters and whatever. Like we were using. I do have a couple figurines in my right? house. Yeah, for certain okay. characters. It's there true. we go. This is See, also. I'm, get, I'm getting at something. But but you're right. My thought when I was a kid, I never played it when I was younger. I was not really exposed to it. I was aware that it existed, and I had always assumed it was like a monumentally involved game where there was lots of stuff you had to have you had to have the big map you had to like measure stuff and it was like you know I, I basically thought it was more like you know warhammer or something like that where you had to like you know get all this stuff to play uh but but yeah i mean the reality of dungeons and dragons for anybody out there listening that has not yet played is that it is really like at the same time it is very specific but also a very loose structure and it's basically just a loose structure wherein you get to kind of like play improv with your friends and like inhabit a character and like do things you wouldn't do in your normal life and pretend to do them. And the whole existence of dice rolling as a mechanic and like stats and like your attacks and items and stuff is really just like a infrastructure by which you can constrain and put reasonable limits on the improv right like you don't just get to say i jump to the moon or i rip this guy's head clean off or right uh, you know i i think that was also not clear to me like well obviously by the me trying to use my herbs and spices to do anything i didn't understand the idea that there were constraints that actually make it a game that's why it was i didn't that's why i didn't really grasp what it was yeah and and the constraints are like you know they do make it a game in that there is like a semblance of strategy uh, but also it's not the kind of game where you're, in my opinion, really rewarded for like min maxing it. Like it, when you're in character creation, when you're building your character, if you want to just make the, cre- the character that is like the best conceivable character at fighting that will be able to kill everybody with almost no effort, uh, that's not super terribly difficult to do. You just play a rogue basically. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the constraints are there because it's like, it gives you this like, it, it, it kind of, like, serves as, like, you know, all improv is based on some kind of, like, existing, uh, like, assumption or, like, agreement that the improvisers make, whether it's a suggestion from the audience of a location or it's, you know, props and you're doing prop comedy or whatever it is, you have some, some like, little thing, some little seed to work off of. And I really feel like Dungeons & Dragons, like, that's just all that stuff, all those rules exist really just to be the seed. And, you know, the basic rules are not that complicated, right? Like, you learned in an afternoon and then play with us for six hours. And like, it wasn't, it, did, did it feel terribly complicated? No, it's like, because we had a dungeon master. No. Cause I could, uh, I could kind of test my limits, right? I could do a thing that was wrong. And there's someone to tell me that there's a game going on and reel me back in a little bit. Like, I yeah. feel like that's a helpful component to it. Yeah. But it's mostly just rolling that D 20 over and over again and, uh, checking to see reporting the number back and seeing if the dungeon master says you did the thing or failed to do the thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing is like introducing not just rules like, you know, you are not strong enough to rip this character's leg off and bash them in the face with it, uh, but also <laughs> variance, like introducing the fact that, you know, sometimes you're going to critically fail or critically hit on a roll uh, is a really fun and interesting way just to make it, you know, again, that much more interesting, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not even sure we had a particularly good like critical hit in any of our 
playing, but it's always fun when you're playing, and it's like, I try to do this thing that's a little bit questionable, and the D&D's like, all right, well, better roll high, and then you roll when it's a 20, and they're like, you do it, and it's great. <laughs> you do a backflip in, in the process. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like that variance is something that's very, uh, it, it really, I think, fuels the the fun aspects of the game that like, you also don't really know what's going to happen, and even as a DM, because it all kind of comes up to the roll of these die, and it has to be kind of sorted out in real time. It does, and it also does kind of uh, affirm an idea I've had that just like <clears throat> I think I could have fun like wrapping any series of random numbers into some sort of game. Uh, like I, I feel like I've talked to you a bit this a bit about in fantasy football or whatever mm-hmm. fantasy sport you're into. That, like it's essentially that that isn't necessarily random numbers, but it could be. You don't have to watch the football game. It could just spit out random numbers as stats and turn it into something. Magic is very much the same way. If you wrap your random numbers in some sort of game or story or something, <clears throat> it can be very entertaining and compelling. So uh, is your argument that random numbers are just the, the funniest, most interesting thing in the whole world, or just that if you wanted to, you could think of anything as random numbers? Mm, no, I'm not clear on what I think. I was <laughs> thinking more that just you could wrap... That the core of anything is just variance, right? So it's just like the a random number generator would be the absurd version of that, right? Uh, like fantasy football based on random numbers would be a somewhat absurd idea of that game, but it also would probably work really well. If it was um, actually random numbers and there was no pattern to it, and therefore nothing to be grokked, then it would literally just be random who won every single time, right? I mean, I think I have an understanding of fantasy football. But I mean, that's what, but that's what a 20-sided die is. Like there's, I mean, I think you have to set a range. Well, like you have to set limitations and a range and whatever. But that but that's so, the thing is like is like the the character you create has that range built in, right? Like you have yeah. modifiers. You when yeah. you roll a strength check, you have plus this to strength. When you try and you know deceive somebody, you have minus this to deception because you're not good at that. So you kind of choose how you're going to interact with the variance and be like, I would like it to be a little more consistent on this and a little less consistent on this because that's the thing that interests me. Yeah, and I think fantasy football is not that exactly, but it does have positions that have like that change the amount of points you get per thing that you do. Um, so it does have that idea built in. Uh, it just doesn't necessarily need the story because the story happens in real life. But it's not. Uh, I have since read articles about how it is exactly like Dungeons and Dragons, how it is not exactly like Dungeons and Dragons. Some fantasy footballers get very upset by the idea that it's compared to the two, but uh, it's it's similar. It's certainly similar in nature. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even mean the other way around. I meant the uh, football players being upset, but maybe yeah. maybe the dragon players are more upset because they put more effort in. No, I'm saying they would both be upset. Yeah, sure. They both have contempt for cultures that are not like theirs. <laughs> I, liked, I liked both of them, though. Yeah. Here's the thing. I honestly, like, having played a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons, I've done a few campaigns. I'm, I'm not an expert, right? I've played probably a dozen times <clears throat> in my life. Yeah. Uh, and always with one of two different DMs, so I don't have, like, that much exposure to different Dungeon Masters, which I think is a big part of the game. Honestly, like, I feel like the game would be significantly more popular if not for the fact that you need a Dungeon Master. You need somebody that uh, knows the game somewhat well, or in, like, our case, uh, Day was just willing to, like, teach himself right like none of us were dungeon masters we were all mm-hmm. somewhat interested in playing and dave was like all right screw it i'll read the whole rules book and i'll like you know read blog posts and articles about how to be a good dm and like you know teach myself the skill uh but i think you, you need that like person that is willing to go so deep and get like really into it uh in order to facilitate playing at all because like it's very difficult to sit down as like six people that never played dungeons and dragons and just make it happen but if you have that sort of person to sort of give you an entree to it it's some of the most fun you can have with a group of people it's it's, yeah. it's a good it's a good time i mean is there a reason there's not 
software that does that for you. Like, I feel like that's the rise of fantasy sports too. Is like, it is super difficult to be a commissioner and keep track of stats and whatever. But if you have software that handles it for you, isn't that much more accessible? I'm assuming there are that D&D video games and whatever. Interesting question. Like a software specifically that plays the role of the DM, right? So you yeah. like, so you like set it out and it like, you know, it's on, it's on an iPad and it like reads you the story and then it asks you to input your roles. Or I mean, you could obviously just do the roles automatically in software with random number generation. Uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. That's why, but. like, that's why Yahoo and ESPN and whatever have all their fantasy sport options. Like, it's not that much different. It makes the job, like, the idea of a commissioner and a dungeon master aren't hugely different. Like, a commissioner doesn't have to tell a story, but they do have to, like, essentially be the person who tracks the rules and resets things if something goes wrong. But they have the assistance of software to keep track of the stats, uh, or even to, like, if you have a league that has your own set of rule variants you at least can put them into a system that keeps track of them once you set the rules, you know? Uh, like, I've told you about my absurd... Did I tell you about my burn league? My controlled burn league? Where we tried to get the, like... Tried to create a league that rewarded the the worst players that consistently play. Like, not so bad that yeah. they get benched, but so bad, but also somehow keep playing. Yeah, you did tell Like, that's this. very... That would be a lot of work to do manually, but putting it into software makes it as long as you have to still construct the game in a way that works it's a very easy thing to fail at but once you put the rules and put it in the system it's going to run and you just watch it yeah yeah i think um there is definitely corollaries to that in D&D. like there are definitely software programs where you can like store all this information make all this stuff easier for you and i have seen some uh i've heard that some play groups basically have a model where the dm is actually like doing all of the roles so you just like as a player, announce what you want to do, and you don't know your stats, uh, you don't know how strong you are, you don't know what your modifiers are, you just say, I punched that guy, and the DM says, oh, you hit him real good, or you missed, yeah. uh, which is also kind of an interesting way to think about it. But I think um, the actual, the idea of making software to completely replace the DM uh, is a much bigger task, because it's like, you know, you're truly improvising, right? Like in yeah. in Day's particular uh, campaign, not that anyone else will get this reference, but like we had this crime solved. We went to the police unexpectedly. Day did not necessarily anticipate this. And we were like, the crime is solved, police. Go arrest the person for us. And Day had to like figure out a reason why the police would not do that. <laughs> yeah, of, sure. Instead of just say, you did it. You told the police and that's all you had to do. Adventure over. Yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that I feel like, you know, that's programming all of like the potential places that a human being could take it uh it's probably both not possible and also the limitations that would impose on the adventure would make it less fun like the fact that we can literally try to do anything and then watch the dungeon master squirm to try and get us back onto some kind of path uh but there's like there's a term in dungeon mastering called railroading which is like uh if you are sort of don't give a sense of an open world to your adventurers and do they just have like they have binary choices about what they can do uh, and then they just end up on a track uh, that's like a somewhat derogatory term used in the in the world of like making these adventure games where it doesn't feel as fun when there's like you walk out of the room. Do you want to go outside or on the porch? And you have to just yeah. like say oh, the porch, I guess, instead of like giving people, you know, free reign and then being willing to improvise when stuff happens. So maybe that in makes the future, sense. It did. It did become clear to me that this is as much an improv game as it is uh, a numbers game, which is a lot of fun. I do like that part of it. Yeah, I think it's actually a lot more an improv game than it is a numbers game. At least, like, you know, again, like, the roles... Uh, well, it probably depends on who's playing, right? I'm sure some people sure. don't care yeah. about that part. I think uh, you and I probably care. I I think most of the people in that group probably cared about that part more than the numbers part. Yeah, I think if you 
don't care about like the character building and the improv and like the dynamic between the group or whatever, you probably aren't actually that into Dungeons and Dragons. You probably go play a game where like that's actually more about the numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. Because again, like there are certainly people I assume that like try and min max Dungeons and Dragons and just become the most powerful character they possibly can become. Wait, but... can you clarify what the term min max means? I don't actually know what that means. Oh, uh, so I don't actually know if this is rooted in Dungeons and Dragons specifically, uh, but min maxing generally refers to an approach to uh, a kind of game like Dungeons and Dragons and lots of video games where if you have some control over your players like stats, uh, you will minimize all the stats that don't actually matter to accomplishing your goal, and you'll maximize all the stats that uh, you know are going to allow you to just beat the game as quickly as possible. So, like in Dungeons and Dragons, if you like decided to have a fighter who was the strongest and the best at fighting and the absolute dumbest and couldn't deceive anybody and you had one other character over here that like was extremely good at deception and like you know sneaky stuff and like charisma but was a completely incompetent fighter and you just let those characters do their one and only job at sort of every juncture Mm -hmm. uh that would be kind of a boring way to play right because you would just you know, you each have this one like specific thing you do and you just kind of do it. But that would be like if your goal was we want to like beat Dungeons and Dragons as effectively as possible, that would be like the dominant strategy. You should just do that every time. Uh, yeah. But that's, of course, I don't know. That, to me, that's not what the game is about. The game is about like, what would my character be? How, charism- how charismatic would they be? Or, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how much of a role you actually had in the character creation with Day. Uh, but, you know, you actually like you roll your stats. So uh, there's like you know, up high and low boundaries. There's a lot of different approaches for how you can roll the stats out, but like you kind of start making the character and then you don't know if they're going to be strong or charismatic or dexterous or, uh, you know, any of those things. And you kind of just roll it out and to find out what that character's like, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is more fun, but is not, you know, the, the min maxing. So that's where that comes from. I think, uh, I think it actually does originate in Dungeons and Dragons, but you would say the same thing about somebody that, you know, was playing Madden and all they did was, you know, customize all the characters and crank them up to 99s across the board and then crush their opponents every time. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. You, you, you did it. <laughs> yeah. You, you beat the game. I hope you're happy now. <laughs> yes. Okay. I gotcha. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I think it's a, a great game. I enjoy playing it. I, uh, I, I do hope to DM something someday. I have, I have some <laughs> vague plans to kind of work on something. Uh, it's one I of these like games. That. It's one of these games that requires you to like do a lot of setup which I think makes it hard to be accessible in a world where so many things are immediately accessible, right? You can just like get on your iPhone and play Fortnite across the you know whole world, uh, whereas this takes a lot of work to get going. Uh, but it, like it's one of the best social games I've ever played. Like fundamentally, it is like more fun to play in a group than any other way. Uh, and it's like, wait, can you play by yourself? Uh, I don't, I don't think really no. But I mean, I mean, like what I mean by that is the some games are like party games, but it's either a bad game that just like is an excuse for people to do silly things so everyone can laugh at them, uh, or it's a party game in the sense that it's actually a decent game, but you're just kind of like the fact that you're in a social group is like lost because you're not really interacting with the people in meaningful ways. You're just like, you know, playing Monopoly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this game, like the way that it forces you to interact with other people in your life, I think is is kind of profound. Like, you know seeing somebody's like take on a character and hearing the kind of character someone like decides to make, like tells you a lot about them as a person and it's a very interesting kind of thing. And then getting to interact with that side of them through the game. I don't know. It, it has a lot of, uh, I think it's a very kind of interesting way to interact with your friends and play a social game that yeah. uh, is, is great. And I think more people should try it. 
Is there? I just had a question about this. Is there a reason that it's like uh, that every single campaign I've ever heard of is like based on Middle Earth, a dragon movie, that kind of trope, and not like do people take it in wild in different directions, or is that inherent to the game? That is just the like spirit in which the game was first made, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it was first made was made like that. All the sort of original uh, campaigns or whatever were like that, and I, I believe. Uh, there's actually a coherent, somewhat coherent, like, canon to be Dungeons and Dragons universe in the, like, official books. Like, I think characters recur throughout, and, like, the world has the same rules in each of them. It's not like, you know, in this Dungeons and Dragons campaign, we're in feudal Europe, and in this Dungeons and Dragons campaign, we're space explorers, and in this one, we're, you know, whatever, in some future world where we play sport for the rich people's entertainment and we were like mm-hmm. super athletes. Like it's, I, I, I think that's kind of the deal with it, but that is not to say that you couldn't use the rule system to do things in completely different fictions. And I'm sure people have, uh, like I've, I've definitely heard of other games like that. And in addition to that, like Dungeons and Dragons, I believe is one of the OG role-playing game systems, right? Like the whole idea of roll the D20, you have these stats as what your character consists of. Uh, and it is somewhat complicated. Um, and I've heard really good things about other gaming systems. Uh, there's a system called Powered by the Apocalypse, which, uh, kind of, takes the improv aspect and like cranks it up a little bit and turns down a lot of the numbers stuff. And it's really like you just roll two D sixes for everything instead of multiple dice. And uh, it's just like a different kind of system to do the same thing. So I'm not an expert on this. This is not something I'm qualified to make a podcast episode about, but there are a lot of other role-playing game systems out there. Some of which are tailored to specific kinds of stories to tell. Uh, But any of them could be used for anything. I imagine. I think the only reason it's like that is because that was the spirit in which it was first made and probably like a part of the identity of it the same way that a similar kind of lore is part of the identity of magic, right? Like we've never had a magic set where people were shooting guns in space. Uh, That's not what the game is sort of in fiction. Everybody's fantasy is the same fantasy. They're all dragon fantasies. Hmm. I think everybody's fantasy is to kill with impunity. (laughs) 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 That's what, uh, that's what so many, uh, video games and other kinds of games come down to is like, can we think of an excuse why it's okay for me to kill all these things? That's what I Yeah, they're zombies and Nazis. That's why. Yeah, they're zombies, they're Nazis, they're evil. That's actually one of the things when we first played our very first Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Uh, I, I had a big issue and some of the other people in the campaign did as well with like, the first thing we did is we were like walking down the road and came across some goblins, like typical thing to do in Dungeons and Dragons universe. And I was like, are these goblins bad? And the DM was like, well, they're, they're goblins and goblins are not nice. I'm like, but, but are they like bad enough to warn us of killing them? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but like part of the lore in the universe is that like, yeah, goblins are, are like evil and you have to kind of like accept that and suspend that disbelief. So you just had like a goblin mom and her goblin kids just having a good goblin time. And you just murdered them in, in the middle of the day. I can't remember how it went, but I was definitely conflicted about it and like felt like I needed better justification in character to, you know, defend myself with lethal force from goblins. Well, Andy, they're ugly. They're, they got to be misunderstood. They probably have their own stuff going on. They're green. And they got silly ears. You should probably stomp on their skulls for a while. That's probably, that's the best way to handle that situation, I think. Uh, how far into the adventure zone are you? Mm, I've listened to two or three episodes, maybe. Yeah. Not Take that some far. time. Take some time. They're long episodes, too. Yeah. Takes a minute. But uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely think I would like to play this more. I think the only problem is I won't have... It'll be a while to have the opportunity again. Like, it definitely takes a large group of people and a lot of setup time to do it again. So 
I suspect it, it'll probably be the next time I'm, I'm in a room with that same group of people, if that's going to happen again, you know? This is a good candidate, too, for uh, for party people, I think. I think maybe you yeah. and I could organize something for party people and make this happen. Hillary's played before. Uh, she, I, she, she knows what happens. <clears throat> I think I would be a great assistant dungeon master. I don't know the <laughs> I don't know the rules, but I will make up a silly story. We'll have to talk about you it. Just have to, you just have to know that uh, in my story, there's going to be a lot less goblins and a lot more other weird stuff. Sounds great. Getting mm-hmm. weird is good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if people out there are like never have never dabbled in Dungeons and Dragons before and don't have an entree into this at all, uh, I do think a great place to start if you if you are interested is with role playing game podcasts. Uh, the Adventure Zone is one we just mentioned. That's by the McElroy brothers, and frankly, I think that it's had a non insignificant role in the like semi recent uh, rise in Dungeons and Dragons play, as far as I can tell. Uh, they, they came up with that show three or four years ago and it's become very popular and I think that's one of the reasons why more people are kind of turning to it. It's the reason why I started getting interested in it, frankly. Uh, there's also a show called Friends at the Table, which is a long-running real play podcast, which is very popular. Uh, I will say this too about uh, the Adventure Zone. So they, their original campaign, which you're listening to now, yeah. is Dungeons and Dragons and that was called the, uh, the Balance Arc. But since then, they've basically, uh, like they closed out that campaign, like closed out that world uh, after like, three years of like making episodes in it, like hundreds of episodes. Uh, and then recently they, in the past like 12 months have been doing different experiments in both different game systems and also different fictional universes with different characters to like try different things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they somewhat recently, I would say we're probably on like the, within the first 10 or 12 episodes of the new arc, they started a new long-term arc uh, in this new system uh, and that is with the power by apocalypse system and it uh, is a the arc called amnesty so uh, if just role-playing games are interesting to you maybe uh, hop in on the amnesty arc perhaps because that's a more recent thing which is uh easier to get caught up on because balance is both over and also will take you hundreds of hours to listen to all of it uh, but matt's matt's going down that journey all right well we'll see how far i get maybe i'll uh Maybe I'll jump forward a little bit. I don't know if I can do hundreds of hours, but uh, it'll depend, it depend if you get sucked into the story. Yeah, I still uh, it's I mean, still got Doughboys to listen to, but you know, if I get sucked in, we'll see. We're nerds. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm more all around nerd, I'd say. Less oh, okay. Nerd. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're a you're a well balanced. Uh, yeah, I'm a well rounded nerd. You're a well rounded nerd, and I'm one of these, you know, not well rounded, like weird oddball. I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, you're one of these. You're one of these make funnable nerds. I'm a real right, 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 normal right, right. nice guy. Yeah, I'm real pantsable. Give me a wedgie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did all weekend. I just give you wedgies. Boom, wedgie. <laughs>